Hi there, this is Fiona from IELTS Exam Training Courses and Members Academy. Um, first of all, I'd like to say a big hello to a few people who've said hello to me on the Facebook group. I put a map of um, all the places in the world where people use my website. I got this thing called a heat map and you can see where people are using the website. So um, I got quite a few people saying hello and especially Pau, Pau Castle in New York. He says he listens to my podcast every day. Oh, that made me so happy this morning, Pau. Thank you. And you've got your exam next Saturday. So best of luck. Let me know if I can do anything in particular on the podcast that would help you. I'd um, also like to say hello to Salman in Pakistan, hello, and Alim Zan in Kazakhstan, Imtiaz also in Pakistan, hello, and then my two students, Anne and Sadiq. <laughs> um, I think you're in Essex, aren't you? I don't know if you've gone home yet. So it's really great to hear from you and to, to know what you're doing. That really makes my day, makes me really excited because, um, you know, my student Mohammed has just moved to Ireland, got a job as a doctor in Ireland after getting his results and things like that make me really, really happy. So keep letting me know about what's happening to you and what you need help with. Um, also, just wanted to let you know... Um, the the exam on Saturday, weirdly, weirdly, when I saw it, I thought, oh, my goodness, that's a weird coincidence. Um, it was all about zoos. And um, on Friday, I posted my um, example of how to answer the question about are zoos cruel? Should they be banned? And then on Saturday there, I saw it. I couldn't believe it because the one on zoos hasn't come up for ages. And I even thought it was starting to get a little bit old fashioned now. But obviously not. The same ones come round again and again. So just make sure you've got ideas ready for them. And basically the question was the same. Are they cruel? Should they be closed or do they help animals, you know, preserve animals? And that was exactly the question that we talked about in the podcast on Friday. So that was just a weird coincidence. I can't promise or claim that I've got any idea about what questions <laughs> might come up. But you've just got to be ready for anything, haven't you, really? Uh, Last week in my class um, that I teach, uh, we've been working through um, the exam book 12. And so thanks again to Wanis, who actually bought the book himself and we're photocopying it so we can do all the practices. But I'm keeping all of them um, so that I can put them on here and on my website and you can practice them too. So without further ado, I'm going to get started. And the topic this week or the reading this week is uh, reading passage one and it's called The History of Glass. I've chosen this in particular because we've been doing so many in our class this week that a few things have come up and this is a really good example of um, kind of vocabulary issues that you need to work out um, sometimes in the IELTS test. And then again, if you're prepared, if you're aware of these kind of tricks, it will, of course, help you on the day. So the history of glass, as you can tell from the title, always use the title to help you where possible. It will be a factual history starting with the very, very early days moving to um, the, the current um, situation, almost exactly like the cowrie gum situation that we did last week, you know, starting from how it was formed. Exactly the same. You can see these patterns coming up again and again. 
And actually, the first eight questions are a gap fill relating to the first half of this reading. So the first gap fill sentence starts with early humans. And then the last gap fill sentence starts with mid 19th century. So that takes us to about halfway through and then the rest of the questions are true false not given starting from 1887 and a man called H.M. Ashley. So those dates, those capital letters will help you find where you need to be in the text. Now, the reason I chose this, as I said, was there are examples of very typical and common things that come up in gap fill and reading. And the first sentence is an example of this. So the first sentence says, early humans used a material called something. That's question number one. Um, to make the sharp points of their Number two, and that's the second question. I'm going to focus on the first question because this is what I'm talking about. So it says early humans used a material called something. Now, whenever you get a gap fill where it says called, then you're looking for something in the text, a word which may be totally unfamiliar to you, a word that you don't need to know. It's just called something and I've never heard of it before. Um, we did a, a reading about uh, water management as well and there was a, something like an old-fashioned technique for getting water out of the well and it was called a shalouf or something like this. Um, in the text, it will say it's called, it is known as, the name of this is, you know, those kind of words which mean this is what we call it. And very often there are little inverted commas around the word which make the word really stand out and make it obvious to you that this is the word that they're looking for. In this particular case, um, they haven't got the inverted commas, but they've got two very clear dashes. So the word is hidden, not hidden, but it's it's in between these two dashes. It's kind of marked out for you. And if you go to the text, it says um, historians have discovered that a type of natural glass, pause, dash, obsidian, another dash, formed in places such as the mouth of a volcano as a result of the intense heat of an eruption melting sand, was first used as tips for spears. So you've got that whole sentence, number one, early humans used a material called, and number one, the answer was obsidian, to make the sharp points of their spears. Now, general knowledge You'd probably guess early humans used spears. Um, even if you didn't know the word, you could picture it probably. And then that would help you find it in the text. You've got the synonym, the sharp points are the tips. Um, so the answer for number two is spears. But coming back to number one again, um, the fact that we've got a material called and the number one was the space and the word, the answer was obsidian. Um, it tells us it's a word that not everybody knows and therefore they have to introduce it to you and probably explain it. There'll probably be a definition 
Um, the definition here is formed in places such as the mouth, mouth of a volcano as a result of the intense heat of an eruption melting sand, meaning an eruption which melts sand. So um, again, the vocabulary of volcanoes is a huge topic in IELTS. Um, you know, you get it in the listening, get it in the reading. Um, so it's these words, volcano, eruption, sand, you need to know and that will help you, hopefully, but you don't need to because it's very clearly marked for you. Now, moving on to question three, this is another example of something very typical, which happens in the reading gap fill. Um, um, even though it comes in the same order as it does in the text in terms of where the information is, you will have to do a bit of playing around with the grammar um, to get the right answer. So number three says in 4000 BC, so that gives you a way of finding it quickly, 4000 BC, something made of stone were covered in a coating of man-made glass. So it says something made of stone were covered. Now, so you've got to find something which is made of stone, but also it says were covered. So the grammar there tells you that it's plural. So when we go to the text and look for 4000 BC, it says this. Archaeologists have found evidence of man-made glass which dates back to 4000 BC. This took the form of glazes used for coating stone beads. Okay, so the sentence is a different way round from the way it was in the gap fill. So it said something made of stone were covered in something made of man-made glass. <laughs> so you find the man-made glass, the 4000, the form of glazes, that's the covered in a coating. Um, and it says coating, it says used for coating stone beads. So what are stone beads? They are beads made of stone. So the answer for number three, of course, is beads in the plural. And that's it really. Those are the, th well, the two main things I wanted to point out as very, very typical of IELTS gap fill readings, um, but there's another example of it coming up. So if we look at number four, it says first century BC, glass was coloured because of the something in the material. So we're looking for why was the glass coloured and what was in the material which made it coloured. So we find first century BC, it says Glass blowing became the most common way to make glass containers from the first century BC. The glass made during this time was highly coloured due to the impurities of the raw material. So why was it highly coloured? Due to, synonym for because of, the impurities that is our answer, number four, impurities of the raw material, and material is the same word. So the only thing to look out for here is that you spell it correctly, exactly as it is in the text. They do test for things which go from a Y, impurity in the singular, to I-E-S 
in the plural and you don't you don't have to worry about it because it's in the text just make sure that you don't panic and make a mistake <laughs> when you copy it because spelling of course is absolutely essential uh, question number five it says until 476 AD only the something knew how to make glass so we've got the something knew how to make glass so who knew how to make glass it says in the text the secret of glass making was taken across Europe by the Romans during this century. However, they guarded the skills and technology required to make glass very closely and blah, blah, blah. It was not until their empire collapsed in 40, 476 AD, that's the 476 AD, that glassmaking knowledge became widespread throughout Europe and the Middle East. So we've already found the answer before we get to 476 AD, but there are two clues there. First of all, it says the secret of glassmaking was taken across Europe by the Romans. So that's our answer and it's plural. And of course, it says their empire collapsed in 476 AD. So this gives us a clue again about the Romans. Their empire refers back to the Romans. So you can use those if you're still not sure. Then it moves on to questions number six and seven in the same sentence. And it says in the 17th century, so it skipped a, a bit where they gave you answers. It went to 10th century, now we're in the 17th century. George Ravenscroft developed a process using something to avoid the occurrence of something in blown glass. So he used something to avoid something. <laughs> so the first thing we do is find George Ravenscroft and it says a major milestone in the history of glass occurred with the invention of lead crystal glass by the English glass manufacturer George Ravenscroft. He attempted to counter the effect of clouding that sometimes occurred in blown glass by introducing lead to the raw materials used in the process. So because it says he attempted to counter, to counter means to go against the effect of clouding. This is the effect that happens in blown glass. To stop this effect, he introduced lead to the raw materials. So question number six, he developed a process using number six is lead, L-E-A-D. Lead has come up a few times in this book, number 12, of course, uh, test book 12. So we knew this word already. We knew it was a metal and a material. And we could guess also if you've got lead crystal glass, it probably means that there is lead in the glass. And it says to avoid the occurrence of clouding. So clouding, you know, the glass goes cloudy. Um, in blown glass. Last one for this part, this gap fill, is question number eight. In the mid-19th century, glass production developed after changes to laws concerning something. So we're looking for laws in the mid-19th century and what were those laws about? 
It says, in Britain, the modern glass industry only really started to develop after the repeal of the Excise Act in 1845. Before that time, heavy taxes had been placed on the amount of glass melted in a glass house and were levied continuously from 1745 to 1845. So, um, the answer there is it's quite tricky, actually. I, I had to check the answers for this one, but my students got it, luckily. Um, maybe I was just looking too closely and maybe the answer was obvious. Um, so, we're looking for what are the laws concern? And the answer is taxes. So, it says heavy taxes had been placed. I don't think that's very clear, to be honest. It says the repeal of the excise act. Now, I knew that excise meant taxes, so I put excise as my answer, which was wrong. And the answer was taxes. So maybe don't look too closely. Maybe the answer is more obvious than you think. <laughs> that would be my advice for that question. OK, sorry, it's been a long one today, but I missed two days, Saturday and Sunday. So um that's covered the whole of the gap fill summary for the history of glass. Tomorrow we will look at the second half and we will look at the true, false and not given answers, which I know you love so much. So thanks everybody for listening wherever you are in the world. Give me a hello on Facebook or wherever you want to. Um, it's great to know where you are and that you're finding these useful. Thanks again. See you tomorrow. Bye.